scriptures. Let's read together our text, Galatians 4, verses 12 through 14, as we move into this time of God's Word. I had the intention of going all the way down to verse 20, but we've been here till next Sunday, so I decided to stop at verse 14. So let's, let's follow through with this, and let's continue on in our study, Grace to You, our study of the book of Galatians. Picking up in verse 12, let's read together. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You did me no wrong. You know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. Father God, I just ask that you would speak to us through your word this morning. God, hide me behind the cross. Hide me behind your words, Lord. Let us be open. God, let us be receptive of what it is you have for us in this text. Father, we love you and thank you. So this morning, like we said, we're going to continue in this look at the book of Galatians. And I'm just so thankful that you're here. I know it's wet. And listen, uh, I've always told people well, this, you know, this marks three years for us. Just to kind of, man, God has been so good. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks. But three years of ministry, God is still doing things. And God still has plans for us. I believe that with all my heart. That in the midst of COVID, in the midst of hurricanes, that you're still here. You're still coming. You're still investing in the ministry. And you're still doing the work for our community that our community needs. And so I just thank you and I am so excited about what God has for us moving forward and you know uh, one of our favorite things to do is to go through we always try to go through one epistle of Paul a year and so we're navigating through the book of Galatians really speaking into this idea of grace and what grace means and the heaviness of grace in the gospel and that's what Paul is trying to remind these people of as others have come in very legalistic very religious folk have come into the, the space and trying to kind of mold the gospel into something different trying to add some things that is grace and faith plus this or grace plus this and so they're trying to add to these things and Paul is speaking into the lives of these people in defense of true Christianity true Christianity and the fight for freedom that we and them have in Jesus Christ. And so like we talked about last week, Paul is going to start in these next few chapters to really bring it down to earth, kind of a ground level view of the gospel and this book and how it relates to us and why it's important for us to understand the gospel that Paul is sharing with us. And so, you know, uh, Paul's approach in, in, in the Holy Testament, you, if you read Paul's letters, all through Paul's letters to the different churches he's writing to, Paul was a leader of leaders. You know, I really, I, man, I would have loved for Paul to have been my pastor. Because the way Paul navigated ministry is a way that is, is not the most common way these days. Because we're in the, the, the day and age of celebrity pastors, we're in the day and age of power uh, and, and dictatorships and churches and these type of things, which really kind of feed into the ego and the pride of their leaders. But the way that Paul led his church, and how you see all through the New Testament, is this tension. It's this tension between confidence and vulnerability. Confidence and vulnerability. And, and, and the thing that we have to understand, and because we're afraid to acknowledge vulnerability at times, is because we believe that vulnerability equals weakness. But by the way Paul approaches ministry, we can see that his vulnerability was anything but weakness. But it was confidence, and it was boldness, and it was pride in his faith in Jesus Christ, not in himself. And that is the leader that Paul was, and that's the leader he's trying to be to these people because he understands that the ability to be vulnerable is a true sign of confidence and commitment. 
That he knew that it in his vulnerability. And not being afraid to acknowledge his weakness. Not being afraid to acknowledge the places where he desperately depends on the Lord every single day. That that's what made him a great leader and it's what gave him confidence and commitment to these people. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. To love at all is to be vulnerable. This concept applies to all love that we have, really, if we really think about it. Uh, our, our marital relationships, our friendships, and, and, and how Paul's speaking of it in this context into our gospel relationships. Because the moment we stop being vulnerable, we stop being moldable. We stop being able to be used and molded by God when we stop acknowledging where we're weak, when we stop acknowledging where we have needs, when we stop acknowledging where we fall short. It's the moment that God isn't going to be able to mold us anymore because we've convinced ourselves that we have it all together. And this is where I believe even within the church where we begin to fail, where we begin to feel like and convince ourselves that we have to be up on this pedestal or elevate our people, our leaders, or even Christians in general to this place of perfection where we don't make mistakes, where we come dressed in our Sunday best, and my life has, I'm all together. You know, but life is all together. It's kind of like, like we took family pictures uh, yesterday. And you know what? The pictures that come out, they'll look very pretty. They will look like everyone's standing where they're supposed to be. But what you won't see is five minutes before that, five minutes after that, maybe where people are uh, running amok, where they're, they're screaming and yelling, we're trying to keep mud off people, and then everything's good. You take a picture, and then it continues. You know, so that, that's life, right? That is life. Trying to corral. I mean, I have four kids. I'm trying to keep them from running into the street or pushing each other down. You know, that, that's the life that you, that's real life. And we really shouldn't have to step into the space of the gospel and even into our ministry and pretend like those things aren't real. That we're not struggling through some things. That we're not trying to navigate life with the intentions on pursuing Christ, but within vulnerability and dependence on Jesus. Church, vulnerability is the primary ingredient of effective gospel ministry. I believe that with all my heart. That the way that we are most effective to our families, the way we are most effective to the people outside of these walls, to our community, to, to our friends, to people that we work with, is through vulnerability. Because listen, an unbeliever or a person outside of the faith, they can see it a hypocrite from a mile away. They can see a hypocrite from a mile away. They can see that person that says, man, God is good all the time and, and my life is perfect and I don't make any mistakes and that I never doubt and I never struggle. I'm never crying in the corner in the dark. I never, I never have fears. I never have reserve. I'm never reserved. I never have doubts. So all these things, and they see right through that. And the moment the church begins to do that is the moment we lose our effectiveness as a ministry. Because vulnerability is the enemy of pride. When we can navigate life in vulnerability, it will destroy any sense of pride. Not to be beat down in the dirt. That isn't the type of thing that vulnerability is. Vulnerability is just an acknowledgement that we have need of a holy God. In a space where we are aware of our limitations, our weakness, our needs, physically and spiritually, pride has no soil to take root. And so what I really believe from this text and the reason I just had to stop in verses 12 and 14 is because I really believe what Paul is trying to show us in these verses. And if I could subtitle this, then it would be this, where gospel ministry happens. Paul is telling us where gospel ministry happens by example. He is showing us and leading us in the way that true gospel ministry works. 
And I think there's two things that we see. There's two elements of gospel ministry that Paul reveals to us that if we as Cross Point Community Church can navigate, I believe with all my heart it can be what separates us from other churches, not to be better than them, but to just follow our uh, gospel-driven desire to reach our community and to just be that option for our community, for people who have maybe been hurt by church or maybe been hurt by other people or maybe have doubts or maybe have concerns that there is a place that they can come to maybe begin to know or begin again or begin to understand what it is that Jesus has for them. And I think the first element that we see from Paul this morning is that gospel ministry happens through connection. That it happens through connection. Galatians chapter 4 verse 12, it says this. He says, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. He says in that beginning, become as I am. You know, what Paul is doing there is he's attempting to break through to them. In the middle of their fears, in the middle of their deception, in the middle of their doubt. He makes a very bold statement, and I think it's a statement that for a lot of us, we would be afraid to make to people, right? Become as I am. Because then we think to ourselves, we think... Well, I am a mess, right? I am not the greatest example. I am not the one that has it all together. You know, when he says become as I am, he's also kind of communicating this idea in different translations. He may say, be as I am or live as I do. You know, and so what he's telling them here is he's not telling them to be him. He is telling them to imitate his pursuit. Because what Paul is being honest about, what we'll see as we move further down, Paul isn't saying he has it all together. Paul isn't saying that he is the picture-perfect example of Jesus. But what he is telling them, is says, become as I am, be as I am, live as I am, because I am pursuing Jesus. I am pursuing that perfection, that I am imperfectly pursuing the perfect one. And that if you'll just imitate me, if you'll follow me as I am, then we will get there. That you will see Jesus. You won't see me because I'm not pointing you to myself. Paul knew he was not perfect by any means. But what Paul is, is he is a picture of transparency. Paul is a picture of transparency because the beautiful thing about Paul, the reason I love Paul, and the reason that we go to Paul every year to read through a book of, the, of one of Paul's letters is because Paul never hid who he had been. He never hid the mistakes he made. And he never, he never hid from facing the reality of his own weakness. He never forget from facing the reality of his own shortcomings. You know, he tells Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 15 through 16, he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, or the first. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul says, listen, if I point you to me, it's because I want you to realize how patient our God is. I want you to realize how merciful our God is. I want you to realize that He is good. And that His, his grace and that His mercy are eternal. And so when Paul is pointing people to himself, when he's saying, be as I am, he's not saying that I am perfect. But he's saying that God that loves me is perfectly patient with me. And that, that is who I'm pointing you to. That's who I want you to know. 1 Corinthians 59, and acknowledging his, his, his past. He says, uh, for a, uh, 1 Corinthians 59, For I am the least of the apostles and, an unworthy, and, and am 
unworthy to be called an apostle. He says, because I persecuted the church of God. So he's acknowledging his past, acknowledging where he struggled, acknowledging where he had been. 1 Timothy 1.13, though formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly and unbelief. Paul says, listen, there was a day and age in my life when I was depending on lesser things. So when Paul says to come as I am, he's saying, live for better things as I am. Live for better things with me. Walk towards this perfect patience with me. And that even in Paul's imperfection, he invites imitation because he knows. He knows he is pursuing Christ and he is pointing to Christ and not himself. You know, and for us as Christians, we, we have to. We have to be to a place where we invite imitation. I know we think to ourselves that, you know, I'm just not that person. I'm just not that person. Well, then my question would be, well, why? Well, I'm not that person because I sin. Well, we all do. And you know what an unbeliever needs to see more than anything else? Is, that a, is to see a Christian who is stumbling through life. Who's trying to work through his faith. That he's not given up on God or felt like God has given up on him. Because he's, he's struggling through some, some temptation. Or he's struggling through some doubts. Or he's struggling through answers. Listen, a lot of times as Christians, I believe we don't want to invite invitation. Because we're afraid someone's going to ask us a question that we don't know. We need to be okay with saying we don't know we need to be okay with saying, listen, I'm trying to figure some of this out myself. Listen, to invite imitation does not mean that you're saying that you're perfect. But as Christians, we have to understand that our words are not enough. We have to be inviting people in to see our lives lived out. Because it's through seeing our lives lived out as believers where people learn. It's through living and seeing our lives play out where people see and can grow in their faith by understanding, okay, well, they're a Christian and there's still some things they're navigating through. And I'm seeing that realized rather than hearing the loud noise from most Christians who would say, well, well, I've got it all together. Well, I've got it figured out. There's nothing that I'm trying to struggle or navigate through. People around us need to know better than that because, like I said at the beginning, they see through that. They need to know that as believers, we're struggling through things too. Invite imitation, church. We have to be inviting imitation to establish that connection with people and to be able to interact in the gospel ministry with them. People have to be able to see into our hearts and lives to assess how we handle trouble, how we deal with disappointment and interruptions, how we conduct our relationships, how we feel and act. So that they can see whether Christ is real and how the gospel affects our day-to-day -day human life. Through inviting imitation, through inviting that, that, that examination of our life, does it hold us accountable to our pursuit of Jesus? Absolutely, and we need that. But also it invites them to see real Christianity laid out. Rather than Jesus would tell the, uh, the Pharisees whitewashed tombs that are filled with dead man's bones. We don't, we're not that. And we don't need to present that to people. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, Paul said, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. Generally, we find faith mainly through relationships with joyful, flawed, but honest, loving Christians. Not through arguments, information, or books. 
True faith is found through connection with relationships to Christians who are joyful, flawed, and honest. That's the kind of people that Paul, that's the person that Paul is living his life as. That's the, the way that Paul is, is navigating ministry is through these connections and establishing these connections by inviting invitation into his, his weak state, being vulnerable, letting them see that there are still things in the Christian faith that I'm working through. And that it's in that connection, it's in that connection for us. I'm telling, I promise you, because I've seen it, if we will be vulnerable enough to invite people to imitate us, to see us, to evaluate us, that even in our imperfection, that through that relationship, we'll lead people to Jesus. Because it'll be real. Listen, the people, our generation, and the generation after us, they just want something real. And God has put us on this earth to be that real visualization of His grace in action. And the only way people see that is if we invite invitation. Invite it into our lives to establish that connection. Not only that, in Galatians 4.12, he also says this in, 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 the, in establishing gospel ministry through connection. He says that I also have become as you are. Paul's desire of ministry was to know the people he was sharing the gospel with. And I think this is very important too. And I believe this is a place where we as the church can fall short in knowing the people that we are trying to share the gospel with. You know, what we have to understand is this is not a command to become the world, but to understand. You know, we can be so removed from the world that we don't know why the world around us does what it does or how it thinks or how, how it thrives. But Paul made it a point. Paul made it a point to understand the people he was pleading the gospel with. Paul is the best at this. At seeing a group of people. And having a true concern for people, a true love for these people enough to want to know why they think the way they think, to understand them, to, to get to know them, to share a little bit of life with them. 1 Corinthians 9, 20-23, he says, To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being under the law myself, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessing. So obviously Paul is not saying that he once was a Jew and now he has become a Jew again. That is not what he's saying. He says that I have become as these people, the same way he's communicating in Galatians, that I become as you are. He says that I'm getting to know you. I'm investing in your life. I'm beginning to understand what, how you tick and why you want the things you want, why you desire the things you, that you desire. Because in reality, anyone who has depended on things in life, just think about it. Anyone who has any fall, really, or anybody who has any dependencies or any issues, it's all coming from a source. It's all coming from a source of, of trying to find acceptance in the world, trying to find worth, trying to find value in their life and the way they're living. And, and ultimately, all things kind of stem from that desire to know and to be known. And so if we as Christians can lean into people's lives and let them know, listen, I'm not just trying to build a relationship with you to get your butt in the seat at my church to just add to the number of the attendees. Because a lot of times that's what non-Christians think about Christians is that we're just interacting with people for the sake of butts and the seats because we just want to have more numbers to be able to tell our brothers down the road, hey, listen, we've had this many people at church this Sunday. 
people know that that or believe that that's how we function as Christians, that it's all for some type of gain for us. Listen, we have to let people know, and I believe Paul was the best at this, to know that I am investing in this relationship and I am sharing the gospel with you because I have a true concern for who you are because I love you. And I care what you think. I care what you struggle through. I care about the desires you have. I care about the doubts you have. I care about the things that you're, you're navigating through. And that's when Paul's saying this, he's basically saying to the Jew, I care about the Jew. To the weak, I care about the weak. And if me, if me loving and caring about the weak makes me look weak, it's okay because it's for the sake of the gospel. Because it's for those that I care about. Church, this isn't a surrender to sinful living, but a submission to gospel intentions. Because this is what the gospel is about. This is about people not being on high, but following the example of Jesus, as we'll celebrate in the Advent season over the next three weeks, celebrating and following in the footsteps of our Savior who left His throne in heaven, put on weak, broken human flesh, and got down in the dirt with His people. As Christians, that's what God has called us to do with the people around us. It has not called us to be sin. I'm not saying that we participate in sin, but I say that I'm saying that we step into the submission to the gospel intentions that Paul is calling us to. Reaching those for Christ. That we would get to know them as Paul did. Live with them, eat with them, play with them, talk and walk with them. He got to know their world even though it wasn't his world. You know, and this is a place where I believe we have to be as a church. We have to be willing to get to know people's world. Listen, I don't know if you've ever listened to uh, any, say, apologetics. I, I like some apologetics, some apologetic people. I don't really care for all that much. But what apologetics is in Christianity is basically a defense of the faith. And the best people who are able to defend their faith and to navigate those answers and questions are people who understand everyone else's world. They study. They buy and read books on You know, what's the best way to reach someone in the Muslim world is to understand how a Muslim thinks, understand how they function, understand why they do the things they do, understand how they navigate that space. And for us as Christians, we can't be afraid to get to know people around us who maybe they don't know Jesus, don't believe, or maybe they have questions about the Lord and they're missing out on the blessing of the Christian faith. That through establishing that connection, we can grow to understand them. And through understanding them, I promise we will reach them for Jesus. And they will understand through that relationship with us what Jesus is really about. Paul got close enough to the culture to affect the culture without compromising himself with the gospel. It's possible to get close to the culture without compromising the gospel of ourselves. And as the church... We have failed to establish connections because we don't understand how people could do certain things, live a certain way, choose a certain lifestyle. Because we don't understand it, we become ineffective towards them and indifferent about them. And this is the point where we begin to pick and choose who deserves the gospel, right? Those people that make us uncomfortable, that live a certain way, act a certain way, we begin to pick and choose who we show the gospel to, who we show compassion, kindness, mercy, love, and grace to, when the Bible is saying everyone deserves to know, everyone deserves those things. You know, it's because we don't understand and because we're afraid that we pick and choose. And this is where the church can fail miserably in gospel ministry. 
This is we begin to pick and choose who deserves those connections based off of their choice, their past, their present, whatever it might be. Saying that person makes me uncomfortable, their lifestyle, their choices. The reality is our comfort can kill our ability to reach others with the gospel. We've got to step away from that. Because true gospel ministry happens in connections. And not only does it happen in connection, church, but then the last thing, and I'll be done this morning, is that gospel ministry happens through our difficulties. Gospel ministry happens through our difficulties. Galatians 4.13. He says, you know it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Church, the natural tendencies of individuals that experience difficulties or struggles in life is what? Is we tend to retreat. Right? We begin to isolate ourselves. We begin to kind of remove ourselves from situations. We begin to move ourselves away from relationships. We begin to move ourselves away from places of influence with people around us. You know, and in a lot of ways I understand it because whenever we within ourselves are a constant place of support, when maybe someone around us, maybe someone we've lost or lose that or we fail ourselves and we're our support system, then yeah, it makes sense that we retreat, right? We pull away. Because God was his refuge, Christ was his strength. That in the middle of difficulties, he didn't retreat. In the middle of his difficulties, he didn't seclude himself. In the middle of his difficulties, he didn't isolate himself. But listen, we already live in a culture that thrives on isolation. And for us as Christians, as we navigate difficulties and struggles in our life, the worst thing we can do is to allow the difficulties that we face push us to withdraw from everything and to focus on ourselves. Because a lot of times we'll say this, well, I need to work on me. I need to work on my own. I have my own stuff going on. I don't have time to deal with anyone else. We shut down when things get difficult. We seclude ourselves from the world. And within that, we forget that not only has God allowed it, but God intends to bring something sanctifying from it. You know, a lot of times when we face difficulties, we have this view of God that believes that this difficult situation that we're navigating is catching God off guard. That within the, 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 the flow of my life, that as God, outside of time and space, sees things from beginning to end, He saw this situation in my life come up, whether it's some situation from outside of myself or some situation from within myself or like Paul, some situation that he's been carrying through his life that we think to ourselves, man, this has caught God off guard. God, what are you doing? God, have you, have, you, have you forgotten about me? Have you let me go? But the thing we have to remember is not only has God allowed us to step into this situation, but if we will acknowledge him in the midst of it, God intends to bring something sanctifying, Christ molding from Romans 8, 28, he says, For those who love God, all things, all things, insert painful and pleasant, all things work together for good. God uses every experience of our lives for our good for His glory. If we will acknowledge Him in the midst of it. If we would stop retreating when we face difficulties and stepping into the space where people are. God can use it. God doesn't promise to take away pain and suffering, but He does promise to do something with it for our good and for His glory. You know, and Paul would even references this, this ailment or this thing that he had in his life a few different times. But again, vulnerability. Vulnerability. 
First, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, he says, So to keep me from begin being, uh, becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that, I should, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul actually says that whatever this issue is, whatever this problem is, that God wants me to have it for some different reasons. Because God is using this situation. God is using this, uh, this disability, this ailment, this, uh, this bodily ailment, this issue that he has. For one, he says that he's using it to keep me from being conceited. He says he's, he's using this weakness within me to keep me from being too prideful. And not only that, but he says in verse 9, he says that Christ's power may rest upon me. That, that for me, because I have this weakness, because I have this vulnerability, that it is driving me to a deeper connection and a deeper understanding of God's sufficient grace. You know, there's a lot of things that this could be. There's a lot of uh, commentators who try to, to guess what it is that Paul mentions. And I think there's a beautiful thing about when a biblical writer doesn't mention something specifically. It's because if they mentioned specifically what that element was, we would attach it to that very specific element. But because they don't mention what it is, I believe that it, he is allowing us to make some application within our own mind. Maybe it is a physical thing. Maybe it's an emotional thing. Maybe it's a temptation thing in your life that is a thorn that is that is reminding you, hopefully reminding you constantly of your need for God in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your difficulties. And that in that, even though you have that thing you're facing, whether it's temptation, emotional, physical, whatever it might be, that God still is using. Paul's, I mean, Paul's writing these books to these people, these letters to these churches and these people in the midst of this difficulty. He has not looked at his ailment and said, well, this, is, this isn't right. I can't do because I'm facing a difficulty. I mean, he said, because of my difficulty, I preached the gospel to you at first. He says that the very ailment, the very difficulty, the very struggle that he was facing was the very thing that led him to gospel ministry. Wouldn't our world just be changed greatly around us if we would take the difficult situations we're in and not use them as an excuse to retreat, but to use them as a, as a, as a device to reach people, to use them as a device to be vulnerable, to use them as a device to navigate true gospel ministry. Paul says it was because of his bodily ailment that he preached the gospel to them. 2 Corinthians 10.10 Paul is talking about what someone else has said about him. He says, for they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. Paul knew what people were saying about him. Paul knew what people thought about him. Paul knew the view that people had about his, his ailment, whatever it might would have been. A lot of people believe it was a physical ailment. Because even after it, later on, it says that though my condition was a trial, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me. So whatever he had is, is obviously some type of issue that people could have harshly judged him for. Whatever he had was some type of issue that people easily could have discounted him for. 
You know, because in that culture, if someone seemed sick or if someone seemed, seemed like they had an issue, for one, they either believed they were infectious or another reason, they believed that they were cursed. And so they had every reason to discount Paul. And can you imagine that navigating that space in Paul's shoes? I mean, we, we have like a, a, a big zit on our forehead. We think, well, I can't go to church. I can't talk to people. Right? And we have, I don't want people, what are people going to think of me? And then imagine, imagine people around us who have a past, who have a history, who have sin. I can tell you right now that the reason that they don't come to church is because they believe the moment that they walk in, immediately people are going to have something to say about them. And for us as a church, we have got to create a flow about us that communicates something very different. Because the gospel ministry calls preaching preaching created this environment where he was able to walk into the Galatians and say, listen, despite my issues, you received me. Despite a space where you could have harshly judged me, you didn't. In a space where he could have been discounted, they didn't. They received me. And I pray that as Christians, that we would navigate our spaces not afraid of the response. Not afraid or being held back by our difficult situations where there's something within us, something around us that's going on that we have no control of. Or maybe it is something we have control of, some bad decision we've made or whatever it might be. That we would not allow our difficulties to hinder us from true gospel ministry. Our weakness and our difficulties can be the mode in which we minister if we would allow them to. Because it's within that that we are vulnerable. That we are making known that we're struggling through things as other people are. Church, the enemy tells us when life is hard, we have no strength to worship, no strength to love our neighbor. That we would say, I've got too much going on. But Paul is leading us in such a better place than that, where he says that real gospel ministry happens through our difficulties, through our bad situations, through the circumstances that maybe we would have never thought we would have found ourselves in. Maybe it's some kind of substantial loss. Maybe it's some type of drastic life uh, altering decision or situation that happened. That despite those things, Paul says, do not retreat. Do not retreat, but pursue. Pursue in the midst of our difficulties. Pursue in the midst of our insecurities. Pursue in the midst of our ailments or our issues. Pursue for the sake of the gospel. So to finish up this morning, the thing that we have to know, and I pray that we would know, is that gospel ministry happens within our vulnerability. That where we are honest, it is in that honesty that we connect with the people around us to continue on through our difficult situations. Because listen, when we're vulnerable in the midst of our difficult situations, we don't feel like we have to put up a facade. Because if we're not being vulnerable, then we're communicating that we have it all together. So when we're not being vulnerable, we have no choice but to retreat in our difficult situations. Because we don't want people to know. We don't want people to know that we're struggling through life. We don't want people to know we're struggling financially. We don't want people to know that we're struggling emotionally with something. We don't want people to know that we're struggling with doubt. Church, the, the two most consistent things in our lives are people and problems. And a lot of times, it's problems with people, right? But Paul is telling us that true gospel ministry happens through connections and through difficulties. And that it's within that context where all of those things are bound together by vulnerability. And we step into our relationships and we see that 
gospel bleed through into those, kind of saturate those relationships through our vulnerability. Where our gospel ministry fails is when we when we lack connection and endurance in our difficulties. Church, we can't ever be calloused to our connections or distracted by our difficulties. And I pray for us. This is my prayer for us as Crosspoints. We're getting into three years of ministry and hopefully many more. That we would make a commitment to our connections. People within our circle of influence, maybe it's our family, that we would commit to those connections. And that we would commit to dealing with our difficulties in a place where we'd be vulnerable not to retreat not to remove ourselves from people or influence, but stepping into that. Because the reality is, is that our connections, where I believe these things are, are tied together, that our connections with people will help us in our difficulties, right? When we have developed connections, then in the midst of those connections, we have people that we depend on. We have people that we lean on. We have people that we reach out to. And that not only are our connections going to help us in our difficulties, but our difficulties will make our connections stronger. Right? How much stronger are those relationships with people in your life that you navigated some type of difficult situation with? Some type of hurt, some type of loss, some type of sickness, some type of sin, maybe. Through difficulties, connections are strengthened. So I pray for us. Can we make this commitment to each other that we would we would pursue and develop connections and that we would not be distracted by our difficulties but lean in to our difficulties. Acknowledging our weakness so that God's grace would be made more sufficient and more known. Can we commit to that together, church? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you again for this morning. God, I thank you again for your goodness. Father God, I just pray that we would see as a gospel ministry the value of connections. That maybe it's connections with people we agree with. Maybe it's connections with people we don't agree with. And that in the space of that vulnerable relationship, that the gospel would be more and more well-known as the relationship develops to hopefully, Lord, in our prayers and in our work and in our development, eventually lead to a place where Jesus is known and made known to these people. Father God, maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend or a co-worker. Father God, I pray that we would not ever give up on connecting with people. And Father, I also pray that in the middle of our difficulties, in the middle of our uncertainties, God, that we would not retreat, we would not give up. But God, we would allow ourselves to be vulnerable enough to acknowledge where we're facing difficulties, where we're facing issues, where we're struggling through. Lord, not only so that we can continue to reach people, God, but then also so that we can develop those connections even deeper and stronger. Father God, I pray that we would be a church that is a safe place for grace to be made more sufficient. God, that I pray that we would be a place where people are, are coming in in the midst of difficulties, God, and I pray that we would be a place that constantly facilitates connections. Father God, because that is the place at which true gospel ministry happens. Lord, I pray that you would just, Lord, challenge us in that as we leave these doors, that we would be those people and those Christians to live in that space. Lord, navigate with commitment to connections and walking 
trusting in you through difficulties. Using, allowing you to use those difficulties for gospel ministry. Father, thank you. Lord, I just ask you to bless us and challenge us. In Jesus' name. Amen.